0: Good evening, LCM. Tonight is July 3rd, 2019. The title of tonight's sermon is Construction Zone. Construction Zone. Man, what an incredible series of sermons that we've been having. We've been challenged, developed, enlivened with each sermon that has been shared. Just since Shavuot, okay? Just since uh, last month, I want to share some of just the titles. If you don't remember these, then you need to go back and get them ingrained in your heart. Elevate, training day, zero faith, building the name too, no reserve, no holds barred, no wiggle room. This doesn't account for our discipleship helps lessons, our Monday night parent teachings, our home meetings, our Bible studies, or your own personal interaction with the word. We should all be able to understand the words of Paul to the church at Corinth when he says this. Let's all turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 4. I need you to give me a hearty there when you are there. There you go, Sam. That was very hearty of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. It says this, I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in Him you have been enriched in every way. Come on, can somebody say that's true about us? in all your speaking, and all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, uh, LCM, I want you to just get ready because this part of this is for us tonight. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. See, you're not missing anything while you're waiting for guys, Christ to be fully revealed in your life. There's nothing that you lack. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. Man, that should be like a breath of fresh air to you tonight. God is faithful and that you have everything you need. Now on Sunday, Pastor Eric and Pastor Matthew brought a phenomenal word entitled, No Wiggle Room Family Banner. This was a message that is designed to leave us with no wiggle room. No way to deviate, diverge, or digress from what God has called you and your family to be. Man, didn't you love that message? Come on now, did you actually like the message at all? See, what I actually want to do tonight is something that we normally don't do. We normally have such deep, rich teaching that every time, we expect it every day of the week. As your pastors, if we see you seven days a week, we expect to have something for you all seven days. I'm going to share with you tonight about uh, a construction zone, but I want to take it from the basis of what we did on Sunday because I think there's a lot left. Uh, how do we say it? There's a lot of meat left on those bones. There's a lot for us to continue to chew on because if you take Sunday and move on past it and you haven't solidified your own family banner, then you've missed the point. I think what God is doing, it's easy to look over at the Lintons with Justin and Larissa. And go, oh, of course, they need to be building their family. They're, they're in a family building kind of season. Well, apparently as a church, we're in a family building kind of season as well. And what the Lord is going to help us to do tonight, He's going to help us to build our family banner. Now, if you're like me, I was listening to, to Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt, and I was just, I was floored. By the way, I was with them while they studied, right? And I was still amazed at the sermon. I was still encouraged. I was still challenged in certain areas. Um, Can we put up the first slide that I have here? I want to remind you of where we were on Sunday, where we talked about family banner. We first started talking about a banner as a supernatural sign. As a supernatural sign. We'll just pretend like you can remember it from, from Sunday. In your mind's eye, I expect you to be able to remember these things. That we have a supernatural sign that acts as a banner over our family. That we have a personal promise that God has given to you and to your family. That we have an attitude that we are supposed to walk in and that everyone under our banner is also supposed to walk in. Yes, you remember these things? If you don't, this is your time to be jotting them down because we're going to talk about how that you can build it. See, it's one thing for you to hear Pastor Eric and Pastor Matthew and what the Lord has done to build their banner, right? It's a whole nother thing for you to be standing under your banner as a family. Did anybody have any one of the seven things that you needed a little help on, that you needed to think through just a little bit? Yeah. This is what tonight is going to be. It's going to be that we're going to go back over it. We're going to allow the, the Holy Spirit to enliven and freshen things in our heart because you can't miss what we got on Sunday. You can't miss what God is doing. Did you hear the words of prophecy that came forth tonight? I wrote them down. I stepped away from my piano and I wrote these down tonight. The first one talked about building a name God is speaking to us, building a name for myself inside of you and inside of your family. Now, the people who were prophesying these things had no idea what was going to go on tonight. We did not consult. We did not all powwow together and decide, let's make every prophecy about what you're going to preach on, Pastor Wade. I did not go up to people and ask, I need you to prophesy about this. The Lord is saying he wants to build a name for himself in you, and in your family. That what I am building will bring glory to my own name. This is the words of the Lord through the men and women in this room. That you are supposed to, He will give you the strength, the courage, and the standard to be able to do exactly what you're supposed to do. He said in the prophecy, the Lord said to us that He was going to help you to raise your family banner high. He said, I am going to do this, declares the Lord. And no one will will be able to stop me. Yeah, I don't know how your response was. Maybe you're just in awe. Maybe the stunned silence that I'm hearing is you just standing in awe that that is what the Lord said to, uh, to us tonight during worship. With no prompting, with no manipulating whatsoever what the Word of God says, the Lord is just good enough to give us exactly what we need. See, so if the Lord is saying this to us, if we're in the middle of a parenting foundations, if we're doing a lot of these things, you know what it must mean? It must mean that God is serious about this. That we're supposed to count the cost again. That we're supposed to count it again. That whatever God has given you is not yours to possess. These are my notes from the words that came forth this evening. You see, we've got to walk with the right banner over us. We've got to walk in the promises that God has given us. See, it, it is so fantastic what God has done through Eric Stevens. I mean, it is mind-blowing. It is otherworldly what has happened in Matthew P. Rowe's life. My goodness, what, what, what incredible things that God has done in these men. The reason they shared their testimony was to give you a template for what your testimony should look like. See, I'm going I'm to show you tonight. I'm going to do what you should have already done, and if you haven't, that's okay, because that's why I'm here as your pastor, It's to help equip and empower you to do this in your own life. See, because if you're like us, you know what my wife and I did when we jumped in the car? We went to an elders meeting. You know what we were talking about on the way to the elders meeting? What we heard in the sermon? We were like, man, can we define this? I'm asking my wife, can you define this part of this? What is our banner, baby? Do you remember what God has promised us? Which which promise do we have to go to? I mean, God has said a lot to us over the course of our life. Which promises are we talking about for the family banner? Tonight, I'm going to try to help you find and make sure that you have yours. Are you okay with that? See, I'm not sure that this is going to be the most exciting thing that you've ever heard, but I know that this is going to be one of the most valuable things that you've ever heard. See, I know that I'm going to walk in my calling tonight, and what is going to happen is you will be equipped and empowered to walk in your calling better. So if that's important to you, then you're in the right place tonight. If it's not, just do us a favor and go ahead and head out now. I mean, I, I am I am not even trying to be facetious with you. Just go ahead and go because we're going to get this right. What the Lord wants to do in us. See, when the Lord says, I am going to do this and no one can stop me. Do you know what that means? Well, it means a lot of things, but it means exactly what it says. The only question is, will you be a part of what he does with us? The question isn't whether LCM is going to fulfill what it's going to fulfill. The question is, will you get to be a part of it or not? The question isn't whether, we, whether this place will develop people in their family banners or not. The only question is, will you be a part of this place? That's that's the question. Man, I love the fact that the Lord gave us a strong word, multiple strong words during worship. You have to have a mission. I'm going to talk to you about what a mission looks like in your life with supernatural components. I'm going to talk about the method being found in your tribal arrangement. I'm going to talk about the curses and blessing that comes along with this. And I'm going to talk about, by the way, your family is the banner. So if you don't have the notes from Sunday, it's okay, because we're going to go over it again. But the application of this is the principal part. What you do with it. You being able. See, I can stand up here and I can do this. I know what my family banner is. And I want you to be able to walk in confidence in what yours is. See, because I've been amazingly blessed in my life. I did not call myself. I did not choose myself because I wouldn't have chosen me. But apparently God doesn't have to get my permission or my approval to do anything. And if you haven't felt that way in your own life, you just haven't been honest with yourself. As I begin to think through what these parts of the family banner mean, I thought about it from two different perspectives, from two distinct perspectives. What does this teaching mean for you, the families of LCM as a whole? See, I can't help it. My first thought is about you. My first thought is to see, wow, are Tom and Martha, are they able to walk under their family banner? Is Daniel Cho able to walk under a family banner yet? And I'm thinking about each one of you. I'm thinking about Bonham. Man, don't y'all love David Bonham? Goodness gracious. You know what I love about David Bonham is one of the first times that I ever met him. He was wearing this pair of shorts and this T-shirt because he had gone. He had been with us a little bit. He had gone back to college and the Lord told him he was in a meeting and he's like, Lord, am I supposed to be here? I should have asked you before the meeting, Lord, but I'm in the middle of the meeting now. Should I be here? And the Lord said, no, you should be at LCM. He didn't go back to his dorm. He stayed in the same pair of clothes all weekend. I was like. Oh, we might have something special. Didn't even hesitate. He didn't even bother to go get his own clothes for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, I kind of like that. See, I'm thinking about is Bonham going to walk under his family banner? Is he going to be able to do this well because he has got a heart? See, I'm thinking about each one of you guys. Your, mind, your faces roll through my mind every day. Most of the time, multiple times throughout the day. God is aligning our hearts. He's aligning our resources. He's aligning our families, our goals. Because our obedience provides a throne for God to dwell upon. Man, what a beautiful thing. It's time to take your place. Look at your neighbor and say, take your place. God reveals these things relationally. He reveals them revelationally. And he reveals them for the generations. You know, the second thing that I thought was, what does this teaching actually mean for the Sutherland family? Anybody else think about your own family on Sunday? Yeah, Yeah, because that was the whole point. (laughs) You should have. (laughs) I didn't expect you to think about the church. That was how I thought. I expected you to be like, do we have a banner and is it supernatural? What about that promise? Like, I hope it it puts you in a thought. I know some of you actually went home and began to work and try to write this out for your own families. Because that's what we expect of you. I just wanted to help you to get there tonight. I'm not completely sure that we are prepared for what God is wanting to do here. See, because he keeps giving us some pretty incredible prophecies and we're like, yeah, amen. Not quite sure what that means, Lord. Yeah, but we're going to look at some of these components here and what they should mean for us tonight. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four and verse 11. Yeah, let's start. Let's start there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says this. Oh, I like this version on the screen. It's a little bit different than the one I'm looking at. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, pastors, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Everybody say built up. The whole point of what's going on here is that you might be built up. Let's take a look at what that word is in the Greek. Just take a quick quick st- study here. Oikodome. 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 <laughs> Greek 3619. Oikodome. For those of you with Blue Letter Bible app, you that was my imitation of that guy. Um, this is actually a compound word. It means it's made from two other words that are put together. Yay. All right. Compound word. And it's dealing with building, an architecture, a structure. Okay, We are going to use this word. It's either used for building, like an actual building, or building up the family. The words that are used, often translated into it, are edify, to build, or to build up. This is the concept. Now look at what, if it's a compound word, it's made from two other words. Let's take a look at the first one. It's oikos. It is a dwelling By implication, it means your family. Do you know how sometimes we could be talking about your house and mean the building? Or we can talk about your home and really mean the people who live inside the building? This is the same type of thing here. It's talking about your family or your house. The next word is doma. It means an edifice. It means a roof. What we're starting to talk about is that we're going to build up. Everybody say build up. What we're supposed to be doing, what the fivefold ministry is designed to do by God is to help build you up so that you can be completed. What's the last thing you're going to put on a house? You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to finish this roof so that you can have the building completed. This is what we are supposed to do, is to build you up in your most holy faith. Now, how do you find your banner? If that's the point of what a pastor is supposed to do or the fivefold is supposed to do, how do you find your banner? Well, is it not your God-given function? See, when we're saying banner, we're really saying, what is your function? What is your mezuzah? What did God put you on the planet to do? Husbands, what has God done? What has He done in you and put you here for? I mean, specifically, not generically or some mantra that someone else has crafted for you, but what ot, what supernatural sign has God given you? This is not a task, a title, or an event. See, I know that we all think we know what a mezuzah is, but we're talking about manner, I need to go back over and make sure that this groundwork is really, really strong in all of us. Not just that you can say mezuzah, but that you're walking in your mezuzah. Not that you can just quote it because you've memorized it, but you're living it, and it's ever coming more alive in you. It's directing your decisions. Am I supposed to do this or this? I don't know which one puts me right in the middle of what I'm, what I was created to do. Well, then go do that. If you're going to make a mistake, make the mistake of, Trying to do what it's telling you to do. Trying to do what your banner has been called to do. Instead of going somewhere else and thinking that someone else's instruction is better for you than what God has created you to be. What do you find yourself doing that the Lord's favor is upon? Finding this banner, finding your mezuzah is comprised of two parts. The first part is the action. Everybody say action. If you have a mezuzah that does not move you to action, then you have not yet learned to walk under your banner. If it is a statement that you have, a creed that you can declare, but it is not a deed that you walk in daily, then you do not yet understand fully what we are talking about. What is the action at the center of everything you do? Let me give you an example. Moses. Moses was designed and called by God to be a savior, to liberate his people Even when he was doing it in his own strength. Even when he killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Do you know what the book of Acts says that he thought people would think? This doesn't say this in Exodus. It says it in Acts chapter 7. Turn with me to Acts chapter 7. Amen. I am trying to get there myself. And my computer is not helping me. Acts chapter 7. Let's look at this. I want you to see this so that you know that I'm not just making this up. Oh, I know. You think you know. It's always better to look at it in the Word, though. Let's look at verse 23. Acts seven twenty-three. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. You mean that at 40 years old, you don't always have everything figured out? Nope. You mean even at 40 or older, you need to be listening to these kind of sermons and presuming that you have something to learn and something to walk in? Yeah. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. You see, Moses was trying to learn how to be a savior, but he just figured out that he would do it in his own strength. I mean, luckily, that has nothing to do with anybody in the room. I mean, none of us have ever gone, I think that I'm, I'm going to go out and do this. And you fall flat on your face. And the truth is, is death is in the air because of it. See, what the Lord is always trying to do, maybe you do have a mezuzah, but maybe you're being like Moses right now and you're trying to do it in your own strength instead of the supernatural strength of the heavens. The first part of finding your banner is what action is at the center of everything that you do. The next part of this is what impact do you have on those around you? What actual impact do you have? Let me tell you what this looks like for me. My supernatural banner, my oath, is to equip and empower God's people for their works of service. That's what I was put on the planet to do. You know how I know that? Um, Because you have it on your card? No. Nice try. Thank you. From the time I was little, I was more than just a teacher's pet. I was kind of like an unofficial student teacher. I remember trying to help the lonely kids. I remember in I was seven years old, so whatever grade that puts me in, second grade, I was in second grade, third grade, whatever it was, and I remember helping a kid who had just moved in and was abusing me for it, but I was trying to help them to make sure that they could catch up. I remember the teacher taking my side a, and rebuking the other child going, he's the only one in the room that's trying to help you. Why are you being mean to him? I, I remember that as, as a seven-year-old. Trying to help the lonely kids, the kids who were, had trouble getting their work done. Sometimes it's nice to be a nerd. You can try to help people. By the time I got to high school, I was heading to the front of the room to work problems on the board. And I ended up staying there the entire class period, many, many a day. High school physics. Um, Mr. Such and Such, can he just stay up at the board? Because we all understand it better when he's there. I look back as an adult now. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't believe that someone would have said that. And so the teacher moved around. And he began to just help the individual student and I would teach classes in high school. They're like, "Um, we understand it better when he says it. We like it better when he teaches us math. Teacher got an extra planning period. They They weren't mad at all. To me at the time, it looked like I was supposed to be a school teacher. But God had something so much more for me. But that was the way that it was being manifest at that age, at that stage of my life. God was helping me to equip those around me. Even if it was only seen in the most academic of ways at the time. At 16 years old, I was given prophecies about being called into ministry. Through supernatural means, and with supernatural confirmation. But it wasn't until I began to understand the banner, the ult, the mezuzah that God was placing on me, that I began to walk in the truth and see the manifestation of His calling upon me. You know, as I became a school teacher, I began to walk more and more under my supernatural banner. I'm going to say it this way, and, and this is from an actual place of humility. I was more than a teacher. Teaching was the guise. It was the ruse. It was the excuse for me to show up every day and try to pastor 150 teenagers. It was, it was just there. See, I, I looked at my little band nerds, and I, they knew I would call them that to their face, so that it's okay. I'm not looking back. I, I would look at my little band nerds, and I and I would I would pray for them. I could tell when they walked in the door. Hey, you you, you spent the weekend with your mom. How do you do that, Mr. Sutherland? Because you're in such a nasty funk right now. I want to punch you in your face. And I learned that that only comes when you hang out with your mom in New Orleans instead of here with your dad in Baton Rouge. That's not what a teacher should say to a student. (laughs) I could kind of get in trouble. But the truth is, is I was more than a teacher to them. In the years that followed, I did the weddings of most of the kids that graduated from my my band. Who asked their high school band director to to be the officiant in their wedding? That's ridiculous. See, but I wasn't just a teacher. I was walking under my calling even before I fully understood it. I know there were the prophecies, but I didn't fully understand it. See, in the process of that, I thought I missed God. I was like, man, I thought I was supposed to be a pastor. Well, there's no pastorship for me. I don't have a church that I'm working for. Lord, maybe I, I misheard. Maybe I took and took too much. Uh, maybe I thought too highly of myself and you really didn't have that for me. Lord, at least I'll be faithful where you put me. And because I was faithful where he put me, it allowed these things to come to fruition. You know, when I became a a high school principal, I really wasn't a high school principal. I was getting paid. That was my job description. My little tab on my desk was principal. You know what I really was? I was really a pastor to the entire school. I was praying for people. I don't know that I was a very good principal, but I was really learning how to pastor people. That's what I spent my time doing. See, there's no need for you to move on until you get this step. Correct. If you don't understand what God is putting you for, this is the thing that you need to cry out that He might show you the actions and the impact that you are supposed to have that He's called you to. And uh, by the way, don't think that God hasn't given you a banner. I, as I was praying about this tonight, I have a distinct feeling that some of you are walking in a bit of uh, self-pity. That it. If it's not as clear as what you heard from Pastor Matthew and Pastor Eric the other day, you're kind of trying to figure it out. And it's causing some some difficulties inside of your own heart. You may not be able to verbalize it, recognize it, or materialize it yet, but don't credit God with wrong by saying that He hasn't given you what you are supposed to have. He is not a capricious God. He doesn't feel one thing one day and feel something different a different day. He doesn't ask you to do something and then keep from you that which would allow you to be obedient to Him. That's impossible for Him to do. He is too righteous and just of a God. He is too good of a Father to do that to you. So let's kind of shake that off tonight. Let's not worry about those things. This is going to help you from running and fighting aimlessly. Anybody ever uh, had a friend that you knew that would kind of uh, run from here to there, never really accomplish anything in their life? (laughs) Carlos was like, it ain't my friend, it was me. I am amazed sometimes. My my life, I I mean, I have the best life that you can possibly imagine. I mean, I, I really do. Uh, I'm amazed sometimes, though, that people will come up and ask me, and they'll say these very, what feels to them is very difficult. And by the way, when I'm saying they, I'm really saying you, right? But they will come up to me, and it's like, wouldn't it just be this? If the problem that you've had is at every work, at every job that you've ever had, and you've had 10 in the past five minutes, then wouldn't you think that you would need to work on something? What? No, no, really, that's... How about we read this one scripture? Why is it so clear to someone else and not clear to us? I'll tell you why. It's, it's definitely not because I'm smarter than you. Definitely. You know what it comes from? I'm walking clearly under my banner, and you are not yet walking clearly under your banner in areas. When you know your banner and walk under it clearly, you know what it does? The law of the Lord, it it, it will bring clarity to your vision. It will give light to your eyes. It will bring joy to your heart. It will give you the strength that you need. Man. This is going to help you from running and fighting aimlessly. Man, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've worked really, really hard, but I was just working stupid. I mean, I, I exhausted myself trying to run here and there and yawn. I mean, I was just straight up worn out, and I wasn't getting anywhere. Huh. Now, look, I, I want to talk to those who are single here for a minute. This topic of a family banner is not something for you to mourn, weep, or wail about. It's actually more direct for you. You actually should be more excited than some of the married people right now. Because right now, you are the family. You get to work these things out with the actual, without the actual weightiness of having a wife or a husband kids, and significant responsibilities and weight on your shoulders. I I promise you, I've been where you are and you haven't been where I am, so you're just going to have to trust me on this one. Almost every single person I know wants to talk to us as pastors about how busy their life is. And I'm like, (laughs) that's funny. And I'm not saying that you don't have things to do, but you're going to realize later on that you're only doing what you're choosing to do. See, when you get to be a real grown-up, sometimes there's stuff to do that you can't choose. I love you. Don't worry about it. (laughs) My point is this. For everyone in the room, the family banner is something that you should be working towards. There's not an exemption, an exception, someone that this doesn't relate to. If you already have your family banner, then you're working on running in it harder. You're working on going better. You're working on doing this for the rest of your life. If you don't yet have it, then you're working on getting it. And for some of us in the room, we're just trying to work on clarifying. We kind of got it, but we just need to really get this solidified, a clear banner that everyone, like Habakkuk 2 says, that once you get it, you're clear, you can write it down, and everyone can run with it. This is what I'm trying to help you with tonight. Having a clear picture of what God has given you to do and the impact that you are to have. This leads us to the promise of your family banner. Everybody say promise. Promise. What promise. What promises has God given you? Come on now. Everybody in here has got a promise, don't you? Well, that was kind of weak, actually. I love you enough to tell you that that was weak. And what I, what I think you mean by that answer is, you know that it should be that everyone in the room has gotten clear promises from the Lord but you may not be sure which promises that you've received. What, what scriptures has God given me promises that I can hang not just my hat on, but I can hang my hopes on? The things that I can actually attach myself to that won't move five minutes from now, five months from now, five years from now. What things can I attach myself to? What promises has he given? Because God has given us collective promises, but he's also given you promises. If you are in the faith, then He has given you promises. You're not the only one at LCM or on this planet who hasn't received a promise. What I think you need to do is just reevaluate and th- and allow the Lord to reveal to you those promises that He has given you. There are some here who may have heard of Pastor Eric's incredible generational promise from Isaiah 59:21, that the word of the Lord won't depart, depart from His mouth or the mouth of His children from this time on and forevermore, and be like, wow. He was sitting in India and read the Scripture, then Raja showed it was the same thing for his family seven generations before. Wow! The Lord's never done anything like that. I, I bet you that He has. I know that He has for you. It just didn't look like Eric's, so you may have missed what yours was. Or Pastor Matthew's, the promise of God's unending mercy from Romans 12. Romans 12. It may have, on Sunday you may have heard that and got stumped, baffled, perplexed, bemused, confused, discombobulated. To try to figure out what singular promise that would fit under underneath your family banner. The singular promise that God has made to you that would be worthy of helping you to construct your family banner. See, at a church like this, the problem isn't have you gotten a promise from the Lord? The problem is um, Pastor, the truth is, is, I'm a little unclear on which promise I'm supposed to anchor here for my family banner. Can I help you with that tonight? Does anybody need any help with that? You see, when you are needing to remind yourself or even discover your personal promises from the Lord, look no further than the word and the scriptures that have come to you to help you to eliminate your biggest fears. Anyone receive a scripture from a brother, a sister in the Lord, a pastor, an elder? Anybody ever received a word from anybody in this place? Anybody been baptized in the last few years and gotten all kind of promises for you and your children in the generations? Yeah. I'm going to share mine with you. Psalm 16. Now, like, of course it is. Well, that's yours. Yeah. do You know why it's mine? Because <laughs> God gave it to me. You know why I knew which one it was when I just thought about it for about 10 seconds? Because I use it all the time. I need it all the time. It comes back up in almost every conversation that I have with somebody. Almost every week of my life, this scripture comes up. Whether I say it to you or not, it's coming up in my own mind. Psalm chapter 16, verse 5, it says this, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. This is a promise to the Sutherlands. What Psalm 16 does for me and my family is absolutely crush the notion of injustice or unfairness. It is crushed from me on down to my youngest. No one in our family can stand against the weightiness of Psalm 16.5. Now you may have a cooler verse than this. Yours may be more tantalizing than mine, but mine is pretty special to me. No amount of injustice is allowed in my house when Psalm 16 gets present because it is a promise from God to me. If God has assigned us where we are and what we're doing, how can we feel anything other than gratitude? He has made my lot secure. He has made our place in life secure. This allows us to be around the most powerful men and women of God that I've ever seen on this planet and not be rooted in fear. See, because if I look at Pastor Eric or Pastor Matthew or Elder Charlie or anybody else, I may get a little nervous. I may start comparing myself and trying to figure out what I don't have instead of what God has actually given me. And I am spitting on His promise when I do it. I'm not going to do it. You best not do it. I can stand next to these men without a sense of comparison or injustice or any other childish insecurity that would keep us from prospering in what God has assigned us to do and who He has assigned us to accomplish it with. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. Galatians 6, 4 says this, Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. You know what Psalm 16 verse 5 helps me to do? Helps me to carry my own load. Helps me not to compare myself with anyone else. I I mean, I've got to tell you, I'm gonna go back to this just for a second. It, It is an honorable thing for me to be one of your pastors. If I didn't have this scripture in my life, Do you know how hard it is to be the ministry partner of Eric Stevens and Matthew Pirro? Oh, it's glorious. If I had insecurities that this scripture was not totally dominating, how how well do you think I would function with some actual real deal men of God? See, they don't need me to be a part of the team because we needed to get to the number three and I was just the guy left over. See, it wasn't just some pattern that we were trying to make. We were actually hearing from the heavens and our lives are formed together now. What about you? What promises has God given you? Let's go back to Psalm 16. I want to I show you another part of this promise. See, there are the scriptures that help me to define my mezuzah and there are scriptures that help me to walk in the promises of the banner. Psalm 16, verse 6 says, My boundary lines have, I'm sorry, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. If there are limits put on us, lines that we're not supposed to cross. See, this allows for differences in the family of God. One same standard, but we can have different treatment of how God does and how God uses us. Man, we can rejoice in that. That I have a boundary line and the Southerns will not do certain things. Does that mean that we go around and preach that no one else should? No. I can have complete freedom and go, Amen. That boundary line for that family is in a little bit different place. Are we meeting the same standard? Fantastic. Because I know it's for me in my household, our boundary lines have fallen exactly where they should. Right in the right place. It's for our good that those boundary lines are in our life. Because that's the way that God wants it to be. We're actually trusting that if we've committed our lives fully to the Lord, He is going to take care of us. It's not a leash. It's, we don't get up to a certain place and it, and it yank us backwards. What we're doing is like, Lord, you set this. We want to honor that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Your boundary, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Lord, you put them in just the right spot for me. Thank you for that. Even if I don't always understand it at that moment in my life, you're helping me By not allowing me to do this. By not allowing me to go there. Well, I don't get to travel as much as Pastor Eric. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Well, I don't get to do this like... What's wrong with you? See, for me, this this makes such freedom. See, you would think that the boundary lines would make you feel confined. But when God has set something up, it actually gives you freedom. I know exactly where I'm not supposed to go. I know exactly where I am supposed to stay. Woo! I don't even have to worry about that. I don't even, I don't even fret about any of those things. God's promise for us brings us great joy. You know, it's, it's interesting. We've been starting to share uh, Abigail traits with all of my family. I'm trying to communicate my family's Abigail traits. Not only Christie's, but my kids as well every single day to them. And my girls, my wife and my two daughters, you know, what? one consistent one across all of them, the only one that's consistent across all of them is being joyful. Do you know what this verse does? It helps us all stay joyful. It helps us do exactly what we're supposed to do. Once you found your supernatural banner, once you are aware and walking in the promises specifically given to you. See, so what you should be doing right now. This is the teacher in me, so just give me just a second. What you should be doing right now is jotting down for you to be reminded by the Holy Spirit of those promises that he's given you. The ones that you need the most, the ones that direct you, the ones that form you and have those there. The promises that God has given. See, because once you have the supernatural banner, once you're aware and walking in the promises specifically given to you, then you can focus on the attitude of your family banner. Somebody say attitude. Now, oftentimes we look at this as being kind of a negative term, right? you got an attitude. Yeah, no, but there's supposed to be some attitude that you have as a family. You're supposed to have a little bit of an attitude. Actually, you're supposed to have a lot of the godly attitude. So let me rephrase this one for you. If the promises, you can look at the scriptures that help eliminate your fears so you can find the right promise for you, your attitude, now that you have clarity on what God has made you to be, Now that you are clinging to the promise that destroys fearful behavior in you, what is the confident attitude that should dominate your actions? If the Lord is with you, if you won't fail, if His presence is in you, if He's going to fulfill every good promise in you, then what should be your attitude? What should you be able to walk in in a confident way? Turn to John chapter 10. For the Stevens, they reminded us that it was a full price kind of attitude. Always going to pay the full price. The Rose reminded us that they are a living sacrifice. That's their attitude. They're always going to be a living sacrifice. I'm going to show you what the Sutherland's attitude is. John 10:11. I am the good shepherd. I figured if I'd go somewhere to try to find the attitude that I should have, since I am called and created to be a shepherd, I might want to look to the good shepherd, to the great shepherd. I am a good shepherd. The good shepherd lays, lays his life down for his sheep. You know what the Sutherland's attitude is? We're going to lay our life down. We're going to, every single day we're going to lay our life down. What is it going to take? Do you need something? Then we will prefer you above us because we're going to lay our life down. We're going to presume and know that the ultimate example Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, he has set the example for us and that is the attitude that we must have. We are to confidently accomplish our deeds by walking in an attitude that says we're going to lay our lives down. But shouldn't we all be living sacrifices like the Piro's? Shouldn't we all be living sacrifices like the Piro's? Shouldn't we all have a full price mentality like the Stevens? Shouldn't we all be laying our lives down like the Sutherland's? Yeah, but what is the attitude, the passage of Scripture that helps define your family's attitude? What What is that going to be for you? Because there's a whole lot of Scriptures in the Word that can help direct us. What does your family look like when you are confident and boldly engaging in your call? Single folks, what does it look like when you are boldly, confidently walking and engaging in your call? You must be clear on your attitude so that you know what to expect of everyone who is to walk under your family banner. If you aren't clear, then it is possible for a father to have figured it out rightly, a right heavenly attitude to keep, or a mother to do the same, but the rest of the family not follow suit. It might be possible for one of you in the family to have an exemplary model of heavenly attitude, but the rest of the family doesn't reflect that. As we move to the mission of your family banner, I want to I encourage you. <coughs> What kind of attitude are you supposed to have in Christ? What kind of attitude, I mean, what is supposed to define your family? Is it a tenacity? Is it a clarity? Is it lighting people on fire and exciting them? Is it bringing light to their eyes and bringing clarity? What is it that your family is the, what kind of attitude should you have? Ours is a laying down our life kind of attitude. Every time. It really makes it kind of easy. It's the filter that we're supposed to pass everything through. Middle of the night you call, I'm supposed to answer. It's easy. It brings such clarity. Please don't all call me tonight at whatever random time just to see if I will. Because I will discern that, I promise. My attitude is I get to joyfully lay down my life. What attitude are you supposed to have? See, back before we were understanding some of the things that God was doing here at this church about our families, the way we used to say it is, the Sutherlands will do this. Or the Sutherlands will do this. See, that was maybe uh, maybe a time of yesteryear where we actually tried to define our, our families, and we just don't do that. Well, how come we can't go do... They're doing it. Yeah, we're the Sutherlands, and we don't do that. Can you have an attitude? Can you develop the right kind of attitude in this place? Man. Let's talk about the mission of your family banner. I want to define this as the result, the effect, the impact that walking under your family banner, walking with the promises, walking in the right attitude does in you as well as the people around you. The mission for the P. their mission is that as they walk as living sacrifices, they get to know clearly what God's will is. That's what is accomplished in them. And then they are able to do it in others. As they travel under that supernatural sign, their God-given function of propelling people into God's presence, as they cling to their promises, as they confidently know that God's will, what it is for their life is their living sacrifice. For the Stevens, their mission is that they finish the task. They finish whatever the task that God has put before them, which in itself is a sign, a supernatural sign that they are walking in their calling. That they're clinging to the promises. That their generations will be full of God's Word and God's presence. That they can always pay the full price because their God is with them. For the Sutherlands, our mission is to become unshakable. Turn with me to Psalm 16, verse 8. Psalm 16, verse 8. It says this. I have set the Lord always before me. I'm going to translate that for you tonight in the Sutherland translation. The Lord has allowed me to walk under the right banner. I see that the Lord has put a banner over my family and I will walk under it. I have set the Lord before me like a banner. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. See, when we're walking in our God-given function to equip and empower God's people for their works of service. When we are joyfully walking in God's promise that He put us here and He's defined our boundaries and that it is an absolutely incredible thing. When we are laying down our life in every way, the Sutherlands become unshakable. No amount of pressure, no amount of adversity, no amount of discouragement even comes close to bothering us. We cannot be moved. Now, You know what's interesting about this? is that our naval traits cause us to be very shaky kind of people. Specifically, the Sutherlands. Specifically, me. See, if I allow my naval traits to be the the thing that is seen, I can be a shaky person. I want to be one that would uh, try to smooth things out instead of being unshakable and immovable. Even prophecies that have come forth in the recent months and years of my life are things about, Wade, you're supposed to be, and God has made you to be a mountain. Formed from the heat and the fire. But you are to be unmoved. I am quoting to you a prophecy that was given to me. See, I know what our mission is. In Hebrews 12, verse 28, it says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. The supernatural components of this for me is to be unshakable, but my naval traits are constantly working against them. Constantly. See, so if you don't handle your own naval traits, your own sinful nature, your own fleshly desires, you know what you're not going to be? You're not going to be on mission in your life. You can have the banner. You can have it written down and it be as clear as can be. But until you take on the mission of accomplishing and being what God has called you to be, this is where the supernatural component of this has to come into play. Because that's what's involved in the mission. It comes in for me on a daily basis. I have no other option. The Sutherlands have no option because if we are not unshakable, then you are getting the wrong picture of God because as his ambassadors, we begin to misrepresent him. The reason your mission is so important is that what the Lord has supernaturally accomplished in you is because you are supposed to help others to achieve the same thing. See, you know why I could be both compassionate and demanding of you? It's because I know what the Lord's done in me. And when I quit giving myself excuses, then I saw the Lord working me in miraculous ways and I know He'll do the same thing for you. Take a look at Ephesians 4, verse 14. It says this, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ. Man, the growth of the body of Christ is impacted by our mission. The growth of the body of Christ is impacted by your mission. You have to be on mission, church. You have to get this right. You have to understand that the supernatural force of God is going to cause you to be able to be successful. We are now at a point of convergence convergence of each of these steps and a convergence of the method of the family manner of the family banner of the Stevens, the Peros and the Sutherlands. That's because our method has been determined by our tribal placement. Man, I wasn't kidding when I said that Psalm 16 is an important promise to us. Turn back to Psalm 16 just for a second. You see, your method has to be that you're living in community with other people. You cannot do this by yourself. You should not be doing this by yourself. Psalm 16 says this, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I will have a delightful inheritance. See, for the Sutherlands, God has assigned us to this church. This is a lifelong portion. A lifelong cup. A lifelong field that we are supposed to work diligently There are some of you that are assigned to be here with us to work this field, to be the Barnabases that help to propel other people, to equip other people, to excite other people, to raise up the Pauls, to raise up the John Marks and to raise up so many others that go out and do. See, I love my church because we have such a strong desire to go and to send. And God has put me here with very clear boundary lines that I'm staying put, folks. Like it or not, we're here. See, like it or not, that's what gives us such stability Is oh, wait, 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 wait. You're putting people who are designed to be in a certain boundary and you put them in ascending church. Is that kind of weird? No. It means I know my exact positioning here. I can triangulate exactly where I'm supposed to stand and I have such clarity. I don't have dreams and visions of going somewhere around the world and doing something else. I don't have inklings that that make me just a little bit sad when someone else gets to go travel. It allows me to be so stinking joyful that you're going somewhere. I'm like, yes, yes, do that. I'll be right here when you get back. (laughs) You do what you need to do because I'll be right here when you get back. Man, that gives you such encouragement. Why? Because I know where I am in the method. I understand the method that God uses. See, if we all go, what happens? You ain't got an LCM anymore. And all those people who went are going to have difficulty being supported. See, it's almost like God has this figured out. It's almost like if we trust Him in our placement, our family placement within the tribe that He's put us in, Come on, man. I am excited to be one that's going to stay here. I am excited to raise up the next pastors of LCM. I am excited to pastor the next apostles and evangelists and prophets and teachers that are going to go out and set the world ablaze. I am so happy to wash your feet while you get ready to run wherever it is that God tells you. I am so happy to do that. See? Have you gotten confused about what your method is supposed to be? Have you gotten some other body else's banner? Have you looked at someone else's banner and thought it was really, really attractive? Seems kind of, their banner seems kind of sexy. I, it's kind of shiny. It's really neat. I really, actually, I kind of like their banner better than mine's. Mine's a little dull in comparison. I, I'm not going to get to go move to, to, to Turkey. That's My banner doesn't look like their banner. What's wrong with you? See, my boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. See, I know the promises that God has given to me. I know that if I fulfill His promises on me, that He'll say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, just like He's going to say it to many of you in this room. Man, I am so... What confidence that brings. What maturity that brings. For those who are going, your job is to recreate what God has built here. Finding the tribe that your family is going to belong to and relate to there. What that tribe needs to be defined by. You're going to be creating the tribe that then gets to look back to the presence of God and make sure that you're in the right position. Man, what a great thing. Well, that's a lot of work. I will be praying for you. I will be coming to visit you and wash your feet and just try to give you a break for five minutes. They're like, Amen. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get on the plane and come back home. Because i got people waiting on me. (laughs) Hey, whether you're designed to go or whether you're designed to stay, do you see how important it is for you to know your family banner? Man, know your family banner. It actually allows you to celebrate other people's family banners. Because you can go wherever you need to go. It's not going to take away from me. You can stay with me and help me build this up. It's not going to take away from me. Man, this is what God is trying to do. You heard promises in worship through prophecies sent from the heavens that there are other people that God wants to send here. You know what that means? It means that we need to be positioned rightly. And be so familiar with our family banners that when someone else comes in. See, we don't mind if they come in as uh, complete newbies, right? Because they still have a lot to learn. What if God sends us people who are nine months away from getting sent out to a mission field somewhere? That won't be a negative thing for you at all. That may just bless the church as a whole but it won't bless you because you won't have the right perspective unless you're walking rightly under your family banner. You should be intimidated by no one. When you're intimidated by someone else's family banner, it's because you don't understand yours or you don't understand that it was the Lord who assigned it to you. Come on now. Aren't you glad we're family and we could just talk like family? We're having a family meeting tonight, right? There's no divergence in the way that God operates. Whose vision would you die for other than your own? Who do you need to complete the task and who needs you to complete their task? God operates in community. He operates in plural unity and so must we. And this is this has been a a beautiful thing, a common unity, a community. On Sunday, we talked about curses and blessings. Go back with me to Ephesians four. We're almost done. Ephesians 4.12, it says this, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Why am I going back to this scripture for the idea of curses and blessings? Uh, For the Stevens, we talked about their curses, their difficulties being that they are often hated. That they find conflict and difficulty everywhere they go around the world. Brand new vehicles that should not break, break. Things that should not be difficult are difficult. A 10 minute change on this becomes eight and a half hours of grueling, excruciating work. The Sutherlands, uh, Gabriel and I, our first real trip to Mexico, I believe, with this church, I, I believe that I'm saying it correctly, was Eric, me, Gabe, and Gabe. I'm like, praise God. I, I'm on a scout team. I was feeling good. I'm just coming here to the church. We go and get stuck in the mud for 23 and a half hours. We paid, asked drug cartel members to try to come and pull us out of the mud. Because they had the nicest vehicles around. The only way we got what is now Pastor Matthew's truck out of the mud, after 20-something hours, was we found a guy to drive his giant piece of construction machinery on his lunch break, we may have also paid him, to drive down the road in the big backhoe construction thing, come down, take the truck, and pull it out of the mud and burst one of the tires on the way out. Thank you, sir. Three hours later, after we fixed that tire... Exhausted, hungry, covered in what we only hoped was mud. I promise you I took six showers when I got home. No, nope. <laughs> not clean enough. Do it again. <laughs> See, or maybe we remember that some of the difficulties and the curses for the p is that they've been faithful, loyal, and there's not a lot of fanfare. Let me tell you what it is for the Sutherlands, and this scripture kind of helps show it to you. To equip God's people for their works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Um, Let me ask you a question. When does that get to stop? When Jesus returns or I die. There is never a point where our calling and our job is actually done. It is an unending wave after wave. Wave after wave. It is an unending wave after wave of fulfilling what God has put in our lives to do. Wow, that could be a difficulty because I'm, kind of a, I'm, I'm a person who likes to organize things and have something conclude. Yeah, our calling never concludes, ever. And yet the blessing is found in the next verse. It says this, and until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure. Do you know what our glory, what our blessing is? Is that we get to glory in the maturity of others. We get to watch you go further than us and know that allow the Lord allowed us our portion of what that is. Man, what a blessing. See, it's almost like God knew what He was doing and I wasn't walking away from God when I was a school teacher. He was trying to teach me things. See, in a school year you get... And you get kids where they graduate, and then what happens? You just start it again. In that case, I got a little bit of a break, and we just hit reset, and we did it again and again and again in an unending cycle that as long as there's people on the planet, my job was going to be needed. Wow. That's kind of neat. To glory in the maturity of others, watching them exceed us, walking in their calling, and becoming embedded in their part of the community of the righteous, this very body of Christ. Man, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. There's no need to waste time complaining. We're tired. This is the work keeps going. Yeah, the work keeps going on. You know what that's called? Job security. (laughs) I'm kidding. That's actually what I used to say about my job as a high school disciplinarian. I was like, out of all the jobs in this high school, you're going to need me because you're always going to have kids not doing it. Hey, what is it that God is giving you that could be looked at as a curse if you forget that your boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places? Sure, there are difficulties of what you do, but the glories far outweigh them. Your light and momentary troubles. As you're building your families, as wives are learning to reflect their own husbands as faithfully and purely as the moon reflects the sun, as wives are learning to stand solidly in their function and calling as a wife and an easer, As you ladies are learning to glory in your children as your crown, you are in turn becoming a crown for your husbands. Man, what a beautiful thing. Proverbs 12, 4 tells us that. Since we're here in Ephesians, let's go back to Ephesians 4 and verse 11. It was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for their works of service so that the body of Christ May be built up. Oikodome. That you might be building up. Do you see? That word means that we're building up our families in Christ. See, my great job, my great calling in life is to be here to try to help you do exactly what you're supposed to do. As we get ready to close. We've had a lot, lot of preaching lately. We've had a lot of incredible services. What me walking under my family banner allows me to do is to know that what we need, in this case, is a service where we get to reflect on what our family is supposed to look like. That no family is ignored, overlooked, forgotten about, but that you're allowed to walk in this. You have a supernatural banner, a God given function that He has put inside of you. There is no man that is void of that, there is no family that is missing that. It's okay, we're family. You each have had a personal promise from the heavens. Your family has had a personal family promise from God. If you can't yet verbalize that, if you can't yet bring that to the forefront, I'm going to pray for you tonight that God will remind you of what it is. See, you guys may have just thought that Psalm 16 was just a trite thing that we said in a sermon a while back. It matters to my family. It matters to me. I know there may be more theologically deep, important things, but for me, it directs almost everything that we do. It directs because it's a promise from the heavens to us that He has in fact done something for us. What has God done for you? How do you need to overcome your own fears, your own doubts, your own insecurities that keep you chained from reaching what you're supposed to reach? That keeps you from walking under your family banner? to stand up, to be strong and walk in and say, this is what God has called us to do. Praise God that you're different. Praise God. Can we all see where the, where the presence of God is? Because this is what we do. I'm not ashamed of that. I am not ashamed to be a pastor. I am not ashamed to walk in front of you and you go, I know what I am. Are you confident in what God has made you to be? Because this place changes in amazing ways when we all begin to walk that way. When there's no, like, I know we're supposed to say this, I know the mezuzah, I know what I'm saying, but I'm really not walking in it yet. I don't really under. I'm kind of fuzzy. I feel like if I say this, then everyone, it, it's enough to pass muster. And for everyone to go ahead and accept this. I feel like if I say this, then everyone is happy with my mezuzah. Yeah, we're not happy with your, your mezuzah if you're not walking in it. What is it going to take for you to have a confident attitude and stand up and do what you're supposed to do in the Lord? Based on your banner, based on the promise. That attitude that says, yep, I was actually expecting that difficulty. Yep, I knew that was coming. Why? Because I know exactly what I've been called to do, and this is where the pitfalls are. Where your mission, that supernatural result that is in you, what is the result that you're after? What, what is it What is it when you begin to walk and you fulfill what God has said in you? Yeah, we've pretty much set the method for this church because it's the method of the kingdom. You've got to do it in community. See, this is where all of these begin and you're walking under your family, but then this step of the methodology helps you to remember that you're also in connection with other people and people are counting on you your curses and your blessings that should only act as confirmation that you're doing the right thing. Only act as going, yep, this is what happens every time we do this. See, instead of looking at it like it's some form of of injustice, of injustice that's portrayed on you. (laughs) Well, This happened again. Maybe it's because you're doing something right instead of doing something wrong. Maybe you're supposed to walk in this and expect it and when you get there you go, (laughs) yep i knew that was going to happen doesn't even bother me anymore what used to crush me and i'd come home at the end of a a school day the lord was working things into me especially when i became a principal now i do those kind of things before breakfast and without even thinking about it oh i've got to. i'm ah i get all tied up in knots about talking to someone and having to really really tell them something pointed What are the curses and blessings that should be acting as either reverse validation or just straight up validation for you? Come on now. The Lord is helping us to build our families in this church. Quit being so discouraged when you see something wrong. Know that that's the next place that you need to attack. Come on, we've got we to have the right kind of perspective on this. Stand to your feet with me. We're going to worship. Not because we don't have anything else to do. But because it's the right response. Hey. Look at me. God promised that he is going to help and build the families of this church. The question isn't whether you're going to be successful or not. If you yield to what the Lord is doing, you are going to be successful. You will not fail. How would you act in your everyday life if you actually believe that you wouldn't fail if you just gave it all to him see he tells us that during worship and says you better give it all to me yeah but I gave you all we had zero faith yeah that was two and a half weeks ago what are you doing today what are you doing to build your family today come on single people quit feeling sorry for yourself do something about it build your family now trust in the Lord now how much further along should you be than where we were We're not getting this revelation until now, 22 years into my marriage. You're blessed. You're abundantly blessed. Quit thinking differently. Every man and woman in this room has been blessed by God. I want us to have a victorious, overcoming kind of worship service. If you need the Lord to speak to you, he will speak to you today. Of course the altars are going to be open because we're LCM. What else would we have? But what I want you to do is actually to stand up, to actually think about what's going on in your family, to actually ask God to show you the supernatural banner, to remind you of the promises, to let you walk in a confident attitude, to be on mission, to do it with the method of what God has put you in, the tribe that he's put you in, to know that the blessings and the curses don't even matter. You just go, amen. Because God is going to build our family as a banner, Mighty God, we love you so much. Help us tonight. Help us to strengthen our families tonight. Help us to be enlivened, enriched by your words tonight, God. Lord, no more small thinking. No more hearing sermons and going away and actually being depressed because we're not meeting your standard. Let us rise up and meet that standard tonight with our families. Every man, every woman, every family in this place, Lord. God, that you will move upon us. Clarify your banner in us. Clarify your promises to us. Lord, let us have the right attitude tonight, Lord, that you might move in our hearts. Shape our attitudes, Lord. Awaken us. We lack no good thing. We lack no spiritual gift. Lord, strengthen our families tonight, the generations, the nations, they depend on us. We must get this right. We must get this right in every person in this room. God, help us tonight. Strengthen us tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name.